What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always here to preview rest of the conference tournaments here on a Wednesday night. Things get underway tomorrow at noon, excuse me, at 1 p.m. Uh, is one that gets underway with the uh, ASUN tournament getting underway the early, earliest there. Uh, on Thursday's podcast, we'll kind of recap the day, and I'll get into the Ivy League tournament. So we're just going over um, the four other tournaments today that I have not hit on yet, uh, which is the CAA, the MAC, the NEC, and the SOCON. And, um, you, you know what, Let's, we're going to go with the SOCON first. Um, just put the preview up on the site just about an hour ago. Um, you know, Jacksonville getting that number one seed. They are the team to beat in this conference. They've come into the postseason unscathed in conference play, 13 and 2 record. Um, they are they still a top 10 team. Let me check these uh rankings right now. Um, yeah, and yep, yeah, still a top 10 team in the country, number nine, according to. Inside and lacrosse, I mean, they, they, they've they been really good all season, you know, and, and one thing with them that I think has really set them apart from the rest of the SOCON is just how deep they've been able to go. Um, you've had guys like Jeremy Winston be out, but that doesn't hurt. Um, but while you would want those guys in there, it, it, it hasn't necessarily hurt uh, the Dolphins as they've just continued to show their depth all season long. Um, you know, we had the uh, – and the talent at top, up top is just phenomenal as well. Milken, Waldbaum, both grad transfers coming in. Um, Colin Hinton, Dixon Smith, both uh, fifth-year guys that came back for a grad season, as well as Jack Dolan at the midfield position. Those are all guys that are uh, first-team All-Americans at their positions. Troy Hedinger, uh, junior uh, short-stick defensive midfielder, Jordan Young, um, another guy there at the LSM spot that has been really good all season. Tucker and those both of those guys, first team All Americans, uh, first team All SoCon selections, I should say, are all those guys. Um, it is a Jacksonville filled <laughs> All SoCon selection, um, and so I mean it, it is the Dolphins coming into this one. Tucker Garrity, a guy that I've listed as my player to watch, as you've seen this midfield depth really kind of uh, emerge. Uh, really since I would say the Richmond game is when you've really seen that emerge. And Garrity's been, been a big piece of that. A two-way guy, 17 cars turnovers, 26 ground balls, five goals, seven assists. He's a guy that makes an impact on both ends of the field. I talked about Milken, Maxwell Baum, uh, cap the face-off dot. I mean, this is a team, I think when you look at it, um, in the terms of the SoCon, I don't know if there's another team as talented as they are. Um, 
<clears throat> you look at the record this season, obviously the 13 and t- you know, two losses stands out. Wins over Duke, wins over Denver, uh, win over, uh, over Air Force. Beat, uh, you fall to Utah is an upset. Um, and your other loss is the Hopkins, which I, I, it's kind of funny because you kind of look back at it and you say to yourself, like, man, how, how did they lose to Hopkins? Um, it, it, it's kind of puzzling there. When you look at the direction both these teams' seasons have gone in, uh, 13-11 is, is the closest they've been. Uh, I mean, 14-13 is the closest they've been against a SoCon opponent. That was the high point game. They then beat Richmond 13-11. to uh, This is going to be a battle. And, look, they play VMI, VMI here in the first round. I think they're going to get through it there. Uh, the Cadets, you know, have had a good season. The first time in program history in the SoCon tournament. Holly Jordan leading things there at the midfield. Jack Lassier, uh, uh, uh there in cage with a, um, you know, anchoring a, a pretty decent defense, has a number of young players on the back end there, uh, making plays for them. And, I mean, this is a VMI team that, look, I mean, they, they have four wins. When is the last time that you've seen a VMI team have four wins? It, it, it's been a while. Uh, they, they, they got they you know, got a conference win for the first time, which was huge. And now uh, they're going to have the opportunity to possibly get a, you know, they're, they're in the SOCON time. Are they going to be able to get a win? No. I'm picking Jacksonville on this one, and I think the Dolphins kind of roll. Um, because, look, as good of a season as VMI has had, Jacksonville's had a much better season. They're a much better team. That's just the fact of the matter. 25-6 last time they played. It's the postseason. I think it should be a bit closer than last time, but I still expect a blowout um, in that game. The one game, first-round-wise, that I'm really interested in, Richmond and High Point. And th- this game will be what time is this game tomorrow? Because uh, this will be the game that I'm probably tuned into most tomorrow is this contest between these two. 8 p.m., 8 o'clock p.m., Richmond High Point. Uh, you got the Big Ten tournament, but I, you know, um, Rutgers will have at the same time. So be flipping back and forth between those two. But. Richmond High Point, this, look, the, the last time they played, the, the last time these two teams played, for High Point's perspective, did not go very well. Um, 16 to 5. Now, I don't, and, and then High Point went on and lost to Mosa over the weekend. You know, you look at what this Panthers team has. Ashwin Olting, their Hunter Vines, Braden Maia. Like this is a pretty deep offense. Defensively, you can draw some blanks or some question marks. 
if you will, on some of the some of the defense that they have there. Uh, PJ Peters there at the you know LSM spot ha- has been pretty solid. Uh, Trey Smith has been pretty dang good there um, at that defensive midfield spot, and High Point has gotten better transition wise, and that rope unit I think has gotten better this season. Um, but overall, the defense is still not what it likely needs to be. Um, when you look at, you know, what it's going to take to beat this Richmond team. Because, but I will say this, the games between these two teams have been tough. The games between these two teams have been phenomenal. Um, you know, and while you can have some question marks about their defense um, outside of, you know, Peter's there at close, I think I said he was at LSM just a minute ago. He's a close defenseman. Don't know where that came from. But um, outside of like him at close and Parker Green and Cage, who has been pretty good um, being the main starter there this season. Antonio Arcona got one start, but it's it's been Parker Green the rest of the way. Um, outside of maybe those two guys, you can draw some questions on their defense. Um, and you can look at Richmond and say, you know, you have Ryan Lanchberry, you have Luke Flankany, you have all these guys, Ryan Dunn, you have all these guys on the offense. They can kill you any which way they want. Jared Chenoy at the faceoff dot. And then, oh, yeah, like defensively, Griffin College is a freshman, but he's the best defenseman on, on, on a defense that is a top 10 unit in the country. Like, this is a, this is a tough, tough Richmond team. But you look at what these teams have done against each other historically. Like I don't even really count that game that that, that, that they played earlier in the season. Obviously it matters that Richmond blew them out. But if you watch that game, it, it, it kind of was like, you know, they they just kind of I don't know. I don't want to say they quit, but it Seems like High Point just kind of laid down, and you don't really see that from High Point. I think, you know, was there that thought in the back of their minds of like, "Hey, we're going to get them again," and it's hard to beat a team twice. Right? So th- that game, in terms of the SoCon tournament, is going to be crucial. Uh, now, who are my picks in the SoCon tournament? Jacksonville versus VMI. I'm picking Jacksonville. Richmond and High Point. I think it's a close game, but I'm picking Richmond. I'm picking Richmond in this one. And then Jacksonville and Richmond, that is going to be a battle. Uh, we saw what that, last, what that one was last time. It was a freaking battle. Uh, I think this is going to be, be even more of a battle. Two top 10 defenses. A pair of offenses that can attack you from any which way, um, in transition, Settled offense from the wings, from behind. You just have so many weapons on all ends of the field. They're at the faceoff dot, in cage, at close, at attack. They're all weapons all over that field. Uh, there will be if it is this matchup. And there will be weapons all over the field if it is a Jacksonville high point matchup as well. But Jacksonville-Richmond, 
you just look at those two teams as the best two teams in the SoCon by, you know, I don't want to say a long shot because you do have a national thing led high point team, but they're a notch above high point this year. They, they are a notch above high point. Um, in many respects, in many areas, those teams are. And it's going to be one heck of a battle for the last SOCON title game. I'm picking Jacksonville in that one. Let's move to the CAA, which gets underway at 4 o'clock p.m. tomorrow with Delaware and Drexel. And then you will have Towson and UMass at, at 7 p.m. This game is, this tournament is at Drexel. And uh, Delaware will be the number one seed. And Drexel gets that four seed. Uh, this is a insane conference. CAA, Crazy Athletic Association. Delaware is the number one seed. Towson was number one last week coming in. They got upset by Hofstra. They're the number two seed. UMass, uh, you know, and Drexel kind of had to hold their breath uh, to find out where they were going to go. Um, and, and it was a wild week in terms of just, I mean, there was eight different scenarios that could have played out um, heading into the CAA tournament. It, it, it's been a, a wild season, and I expect a wild tournament here as well. Um, you know, you look at this Delaware-Drexel game, and uh, <clears throat> let me pull back up what this one was last time. I'll tell you, th- th- this game I, it is going to be one where neither of these teams are necessarily good at the face-off guy. They're just not this year. And so that's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in that one. Uh, last time they played, it was a 16-15 win over uh, 16-15 win for Delaware. Expect a similar result: one two goal victory, a lot of goals. Um, you know, as I said, neither of these teams really that good in terms of face-off success. You look at Delaware and what their offense has: J.P. Ward. Mike Robinson, Ty Kurtz, just phenomenal players there. Uh, Mark Bita has really, really stepped up as their top midfielder this season. As a as, as a grad student, as a fifth year guy, has been really impressive. This is a veteran laden offense, uh, with the exception of JP Ward, who's a uh, a sophomore. This is a veteran laden offense in, in many respects. Uh, Mike Robinson's a junior. Ty Coates is a senior. I, I, this is a veteran-laden offense. And then also on the back end, Owen Grant, a senior who I kind of hear is coming back for a fifth year next year. You've got Joe Spears there at the LSU spot. You've got Matt Kilkeely, a fifth-year guy um, there in cage. I, this is an experienced Delaware team. Yes, they lost a lot from last season um, in terms of having to replace Charlie Kitchen. But, and also I should, like the face-off dot, you had to replace Jay Kovada, and they've not been able to do that. Um, 
but in, in terms of his production. But for the most part, especially offensively, minus those 55 points from Kitchen, very similar team to last season. Uh, back end, very similar team to last season. Um, the, uh, this, to me, is more of a question of, can't, it, is Delaware going to get it done? That's kind of been my question all season for them is, are you going to get it done? Are you going to win the CAA? Things have been trending in this direction. Like, this is their season. Like, this is the year. If Delaware is going to win this thing, I think this is the year that you do it. Now, for Drexel, they came into the season um, as the favorite. They they won this thing last year. They did. They won it last year, and they came into the season as the favorite. You returned to Ross Blumthal. You returned to all these guys. And I'm not going to say it's been a disappointing season for Drexel. I mean, you're in – I mean, come on. You're in the tournament. Okay, they had to hold their breaths, as I mentioned, to see where the heck they were going to go in this thing. You're six and seven, which I think is surprising. Um, you know, and the 13-7 loss against UMass was not the result that a lot of people kind of expected there, considering all their other CAA games had been, you know, one goal lost to Towson, one goal lost to Delaware, one goal win over Fairfield. They beat Hofstra 10-7. to Hofstra and UMass, uh, a win and a loss, are the only two games where they've not won by one goal in conference play. They beat Marquette by uh, by one goal. Obviously, they're in double overtime. They beat St. Joseph's by one goal. They lost to Robert Morris by a goal uh, before getting into CAA play there. The, the, the little game before you get into CAA play. They, they've been in a lot of close games this season. And I think that's indicative of just maybe, you know, not not because they did return a lot. And as I mentioned, they did. They were not very good face-off dot, um, just as as Delaware isn't. Um, but like they they did return pieces uh, that you saw step up last season. I'm speaking offensively, they returned their entire defense, and their entire defense is still uh, pretty good. There, uh, Sean Quinn, Brennan Greenwald. Uh, George Grippo is, is probably the best short stick, short stick defensive midfielder in uh, college lacrosse. Uh, but when you look at their their offense, uh, certainly you, you know losing Reed Bowling, who only played nine games last year, was a loss. But Sean Donnelly, uh, Ron Gerard, uh Jack Mulcahy is you know, they're all back, and you've had Max Simple uh, really step up and be a, a, a huge factor in this offense. 34 goals, 5 assists. Aiden Cole, um, a, a, another returning guy there that's still among the best there at Drexel. So it's kind of been a weird season for them. Where, and, and I should mention, Ross Blumthal has been in cage for 10 games. He only didn't start three, but Drew McGill, a freshman out of Alabama, comes in there and, and plays his butt off in those games. Um, so it, it it's been a, a weird season for Drexel, and they, they they barely get into the tournament, which is kind of surprising. So uh, Delaware Drexel, 
that is going to be uh, th that is a is that a rematch of what last year's was? No, no, I'm sorry. That that uh, it was Drexel Hofstra last year. Uh, that's going to be a battle. That's going to be a battle. Uh, there, Delo Drexel expect a high scoring uh, affair, most likely. I would say uh, based on what they did last time, um, and then who wins the face off that I think is going to be crucial for who wins that game. Uh, and, and oh yeah, um, Dola might not want to get a lot of penalties because Drepsel does have uh, the best man up off uh, defense in uh, the CAA. Towson, that is a team I wrote about um, about a month ago, I want to say. Uh, when you know, CAA play started, they started two and zero in conference play. Uh, dropped a couple, but you know this is a team. That, I mean, they've been pretty good. Uh, they sat at the top of the conference until last week with a top team in there. Uh, th this season for me really marks kind of the return of Towson uh, for the first time in the postseason since 2019. You know, Kobe Smith, you know, highlighting this team there at defense. Mac Constantides uh, there at the faceoff dot. You've got a number of transfers. Kyle Berkeley, uh, Nick DeMeo, whole host of guys. James Alvisnato was a transfer. Um, uh, another Maryland guy uh, that came in prior to uh, last season. So you've got a ton of guys there. Uh, Schilling came in from Hopkins. I have so many transfers that have really influxed into this team. But then also the midfield depth that you've seen there. Um, at both the offensive end and then the uh, defensive midfield as well. Uh, th this is a a team that I think is probably one of the deeper teams in terms of how many guys they can run out there, um, especially offensively in the CAA, at least from what I've seen this season. And uh, they're going to play UMass in their uh, semifinal game on Thursday, 7 p.m., and this was a 12-9 game last time out. This is going to be a close game again. Like, and all these CAA games are going to be tight because that's how it's been all season, um, with the exception for a few. Um, but, you know, you look at UMass, and, you know, Mike Tobin, Logan Leisureberg, Kevin Tobin, Gabriel Prosek, like these guys have been getting it done offensively. Um, and then, obviously, you know, Matt Note has been there in cage since his freshman season, has been, you know, playing very well uh, since then, continued to do so. At the faceoff dot, Caleb Hammett has also been a guy who has stepped up. Uh, so the faceoff dot is going to be an area where uh, you do see these two teams battle it out. Uh, Hammett went 13 for 23 over Costanides the last time they played. But Costanides, if you watch that game, uh, won the second half, or at least the final 15 minutes, I believe it was, which really helped Calvin get over uh, the hump there and, you know, continue uh, the, the path they were on as they got up 4-2. So uh, this is going to be a a big, big contest again uh, between these two. It was a back-and-forth game where you saw kind of a tug-of-war type situation going on the last time these two played. Uh, Eleven to six was the biggest lead that you had of the game uh, until you know UMass really put together an effort there to 
and almost came back in this one. So a uh, big, big contest there as well, a close contest to be expected. Um, you know, really do like what both these teams have done uh, defensively at times this season. Kobe Smith, I mentioned, for uh, Towson. Sam uh, Eisenstadt for uh, UMass there uh, as, you know, they have the 12th best defense in college cross, 10.15 goals per game. Uh, there, 12 cross turnovers for him. Jake Dulock, another guy there as well. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, no, not the quarterback, the lacrosse player. Um, he has also been phenomenal on UMass's back end this season as well. As uh, and, and I do want to mention, they play gorilla ball. Uh, UMass does, and you know, I don't like. I watched that Towson UMass game. The last time they played, did not look like UMass was playing that kind of style. Towson was able to kind of dictate things. If UMass is able to dictate things like they did at times against, you know, Yale, they almost beat, um, things could go UMass's way. So this is going to be a game uh, like a lot of lacrosse contests where it's like, hey, who can, who can hold the momentum? UMass knows how to do that. They certainly do. All right, moving on to these other two conferences here, the MAC and the NEC. So the MAC, St. Bonaventure, U4, they get the U4 bump. They play Siena in this uh, semifinal game. And look, this is a Siena team that beat St. Bonaventure. It's the only blemish on the resume. Brett Dobson obviously leading the way in cage there for uh, the Bonnies. You know, he wants to end his season. I know, know the St. Bonaventure team wants to end their season in the NCAA tournament. They want to get that first tournament bid. And look, I'll get into my picks here. Um, I've picked them to do just that. Um, I have St. Bonaventure beating Siena, and I have Marist beating Manhattan. I have St. Bonaventure beating uh, Marist in that title game. Uh, but I'll tell you, like, this is this is a, a game I expect to be – well, I didn't expect the first contest between these two teams to be what it was. I do expect this game to be pretty close. And I especially expect it to be close if Siena not only gets Chris Yankovic going in cage, um, who, I mean, this is a MAC conference that just oozes goalie talent this season. Um, in, in my preview here, I, every single team I've mentioned a goalie as either a star player or an X Factor or a guy to watch. Like, Chris Yankovic has been phenomenal this season, 58% save percentage. Uh, ranked second in the country, I believe. There, uh, Brett Dobson is first in the country. So this is a goalie battle. Um, but th- the way you beat and, and the way they did beat St. Bonaventure last time was getting those transition opportunities uh, where they can get their defense out of sorts and they can strike early. And that's going to be crucial if Sienna wants to get this win. You had multiple uh, pole goals in that game. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, his name escaped, escaped my mind. But he had three pole goals in that game. I think they had four in total. Um, it was was amazing, the transition offense. Sean Jeffrey, that's who it was, had three pole goals in that game against uh, St. Bonaventure last time for Siena. Um, Going to be a, a, a big 
battle defensively, certainly in this contest. But if Siena can get that transition offense going as they have at times, it could be a problem for Siena, excuse me, for uh, St. Bonaventure in this game. Uh, the Bonnies, they need to get that offense going, Sean Wesley and company. Uh, and you've got to break Yankers just like that. Seeing offense has got to break Dobson. Like, that's the key in this game. Like, break, break those two guys. Marist, and uh, they will play Manhattan in that second semifinal game. Uh, look, I mean, Jamison and Billy, Vito Musso, multiple others, gone with injuries early this season. Uh, it's not been the season Marist thought it was going to be, but the only loss in conference play is to St. Bonaventure. Jojo Pereka has stepped up there at attack and continued, uh, you know, his dominance, if you will, that he's, uh, you know, pursued since his freshman season. You've got Anthony uh, Novellano in cage has been phenomenal. Had that big game against Rutgers and has just continued to climb uh, this season. JT Roselli at the LSM spot is uh, huge. Keenan DeLave, another guy I should mention at the he was an LSM, switched now to a short stick. Been really good uh, this season. Those two guys have that rope unit there for Marist has been pretty good. They're able to get some of that early offense going uh, there. The Red Foxes are, and they're a team that's kind of, you know, we talk about defense, we talk about goalie play in the mat, um, and, and really not so much goalie play, but def- defense as a whole when you talk about it. Marist has kind of been the outlier there, where they've had better offenses than a lot of teams in this conference, um, not just, you know, in last year, where they only got to play a couple of games, but not only just last year, uh, but really for a number of years, uh, where they have had, you know, their strength has been offense, whereas other teams' strengths have been on the defensive side. Uh, so that is something that you – I always kind of look at, and, you know, you see that's kind of an outlier for Marist. Um, now, they're playing a Manhattan team that, you know, uh, let me pull up what, what they did last time against each other here. Um, this is a Manhattan team that, I'm going to say this real quick, Brendan Krebs, fantastic in cage. Um, and they do have some really good guys on that offensive end there for the Jaspers and look, this the, the just overall the rise of Manhattan these past couple seasons has been really good, uh, really really good. Kyle Walker, Sean uh, McKinney, like these are two leaders, Liam Walsh on that attack unit there um, on that offensive end for Manhattan, and those guys have been good, but overall. This is a team that has not been very good offensively. And a part of that is they're not good at the faceoff dot really at all. Um, Dylan Bedell, I think, should, you know, for, for Marist, um, let's see, what did he do last time? The freshman out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He went 15 for 25 against these guys last time. That's a 60% mark. Um, 
And while he struggled in, against Canisius, I mean, he's been above 50% pretty much the entire season, uh, and especially in Mac play, he's been very good. Uh, 48% on the year. Uh, a lot of that probably has to do with that Princeton game, 9 of 20 there against Sandoval. Um, I, I think Mary should win this game really based on that. Uh, but you are, and, and this is a Manhattan defense that looks a bit different than it did a year ago with some of the losses uh, that that they had endured on uh, the back end, Brandon Bank uh, be, being one of those guys, a grad student, uh, that you know, went went the other way. Uh, Christian Clifford believes the only starting pull they have back uh, from a year ago from that really good team last season. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's been a bit of a different year for Manhattan. Uh, Brendan Krebs is still pretty good, though. Uh, one of the best goalies in the country. Uh, one of the best goalies in the MAC. I'd probably put him probably second. I'd probably put Dobson, um, Krebs, and, and Yankelis as the top three goalies in the MAC, and I'd put them each in a, in a list of top 10 goalies in the country. So, uh, again, you're going to see great goalie play in this game, and, and especially so from Manhattan. I just question what that Manhattan offense can do. Um, and if Bedell does go off like he did last time, and it was a, it was a closer game last time. It was 15 to 12, Marist. Probably going to be similar. Uh, but, again, you never know. It's the wacky Mac. Moving on to the NEC, uh, St. Joseph's is undefeated, unscathed. They host this thing. Uh, oh, by the way, Marist hosts the MAC tournament. I don't know why. Uh, they're not the number one seed, but uh, they're hosting it. Um, I think they do that, though, don't they? They kind of rotate it. No, no, whatever. Um, NEC, St. Joseph's, has been unscathed in conference play. They'll play in LIU, who they beat 14-10. to 10. Uh, back in uh, April on April 16th, so not that long ago. Uh, this is a team that almost beat Penn, 13 to 12 in overtime. This is a top 20 team. Uh, just full stop. This is a top 20 team. Uh, LIU has not been as good as I think some people maybe thought they were going to be. Uh, however, I will say, being the fourth best team in this NEC, probably. I think that might be where I had them um, coming into this season. Obviously, St. Joe's and Bryant were going to be the top two, and then kind of Hobart, LIU, which of those two were going to be there uh, as that third or fourth seed. So things have kind of played out as expected in the NEC this season. And uh, certainly Zach Cole with the Hawks, been very, very good. Robbie Seeley has played uh, the last nine games in cage. Came in early March, has not looked back, has been phenomenal for them in cage. The, you know, Carter Page, a guy you know, helping to lead a top 15 offense uh, here, has been really good as a goal scorer. Levi Anderson has been phenomenal. Matt Bellmer has been phenomenal. And look, I had people tell me preseason, I was too high on St. Joseph's offense. I don't think I, don't, I haven't heard that in a while. So, just just wanted to put that out there. Um, this is a good offense, guys. This is a good offense. Logan Bondell, Patrick Clemens leading the way on the back end. This is a good defense as well. 
and obviously we really you know keeping things in 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 uh in house there uh this is a team i expect them to beat liu i i i really do uh will mark is a phenomenal goalie and richie lacandra had a bit of a slow start but at 66 points 30 goals 36 assists uh, he's gonna be tough to beat he's gonna be tough to stop um sean bowl a guy i've my i've my player to watch for liu has kind of emerged as one of the leaders here 28 points um, off 23 goals and five assists, had an eight-point outing against Hobart, four-point outing against St. Joseph's last week, between the last time they played. Um, so I think this is a this is an LIU offense that has shown different aspects, different um, different weapons this season, so more depth than maybe they had a year ago. So yeah, I mean this is going to be a game. I think we're probably going to see St. Joseph's. Like I think it'll be close early. St. Joseph's going to run away. And by the way, I have St. Joseph's and Bryant in the title game because I do think Bryant is going to beat Hobart. And when you look at Bryant, um, Marco Horn at attack. He has been phenomenal all season. He has been absolutely phenomenal. You have got LeJohn Jones leading the way on defense. This is a team that can kill you. Um, in transition in the middle of the field. Uh, this is a team that can tra- kill you in settled uh, situations. Logan McGovern, Bennett Abladian, uh, you know, some other leaders there offensively, 54 uh, and 46 points respectively for those two guys. Um, that's a really solid top three uh, starting attack unit there for the Bulldogs. Uh, and then I m- mentioned on on the back end, you've got one John Jones, Tanner Alexander, Drew Lucas, uh, guys who've been there, Brody Rule uh, there, and, you know, at, at Paul Connor Whalen, the uh, Ohio State transfer has been pretty good this season there at LSM as well. This is, and Jones has played, you know, close and uh, LSM as he did last season. At the face-off dot, I think is where against Hobart, I think you, well, yeah, against Hobart, you'll see some, um, you know, we'll get to see what they go with. Jacob Alexander, Nathan uh, uh, Liebert, it's going to be interesting to see which guy they go with. Uh, those two guys have been phenomenal this season, were phenomenal last season, obviously, uh, Labor, uh getting hurt and sitting out most of like the second half of the season of last year. He comes back. Uh, when did he come back this year? He came back kind of, it was in February. Like I said, March, March, March 12th, he came back. And those two guys, really good solid one-two punch. So uh, this is a, a Bryant team that I think, you know, you look at Bryant, you look at St. Joe's. I think these two teams are, are just the, the two most complete teams in the NEC, and they've shown that, they've proven that over the course of this season for sure. They can strike when the iron is hot, um, and, and they can score in bunches, and, and they can really put things away. Hobart, 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 Hobart. This is a – I've struggled to understand Hobart this season. Um, they beat Canisius, beat Lehigh, albeit a, a Lehigh team trying to find their offensive identity. Um, early in the season. 
They then lose Cornell 15-12, and they played Cornell very good. They lost to Syracuse by one, lost to Sacred Heart 9-8 in overtime, lost to Bryant, and lost to St. Joseph's. Those are the only two, uh, as well as the Cornell and Syracuse games, I guess you could say, but I kind of thought they were going to beat Syracuse. But I should beat Syracuse, if we're being honest. Um, but conference-wise, Bryant, St. Joseph's, the only two losses they have there. Um, did not expect a second heart loss at all. Took care of business against everybody. Excuse me, everybody else, though. Wagner, Merrimack, LIU, Mount St. Mary's. And they're in this thing. Uh, they've got to play Bryant for the second time around now. Uh, 14-11 was the final in that one. Really, you know, Adam Shea has been phenomenal at the dot. So, and they went, it was about 50 50 between him and uh, Ryboat last time out. So, that's going to be a battle there. And then you've got to watch that, like, this has been the same case for for multiple years now. Like, you've got to watch Hobart's offense. Ryan Archer, Alex Rosa, Tommy Mott, Chad Batch, Bradley uh, Simmons. So many guys that can kill you in so many different ways. And that shoot the ball well. It's really a a good offense. Um, Again, it's a fun offense. They don't necessarily go early. uh, But... They have certain looks they like to like to get. They're kind of on the high wings, and and you know you you, you really see what they're doing. Um, now there's been times this season where you like uh, I have no clue what they're doing, but recently they've kind of come back together. Um, you know, player to watch here for Hobart, Anthony Detellis. I uh, hope I pronounced that right. Um, he, he's been a guy. Come up big for this offense. I mentioned this Hobart offense. He's come back uh, recently from injuries and, you know, missed some time, was back, missed some time, is back now. He has had 14 points in the past five games, 11 goals, three assists. So, well, you might be focused on, on Ryan Archer, Tommy Mott. Patelis is going to be open as well. So, that could provide a difficulty, um, you know, provides another body out there that can produce at a high level offensively for Hobart. And again, this is a Hobart offense that their offense, really no matter who has been there, has been really good each of the past couple of seasons. Not as good this season as we have seen, uh, but you know, Stephen Brundage has, has done a good job with that offense since he's gotten there. And uh, while they might have taken a dip or two this season, still a pretty good unit and a unit I think that's grown uh, throughout this season. And certainly the unit that highlights that team uh, you know, outside of Adam Shea, who's just continued the tradition of uh, good face-off men at Hobart. All right, folks, that is it for today's show. As always, thank you all for tuning in. 
enjoy the lacrosse. It begins 1 p.m. tomorrow. Connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.